Hello and welcome to the Collective Wisdom Podcast, the podcast that explores how to be a wiser version of yourself. This is a podcast that helps you to tap into your own inner wisdom and find the answers within you for how to live your best life. I'm your host, Kat Preston. I'm a certified life coach and I help people to turn down the noise in their heads and tune into the wisdom in their hearts. Every week I'll be asking my guests to tell their stories about what they've learned along the way and share some of their wisdom with us. I'm so thrilled you can join us. Hey there, my wise friends, and welcome to episode 32 of the Collective Wisdom Podcast, which is boldly titled, Take the Time You Need. And that seems so fitting at the moment because taking the time to do stuff that matters has been a big part of August for me, and it always, always pays off. My guest this week is a very talented Canadian singer-songwriter, Michael Averill, whose song Thank You, you may have heard if you listened to the last episode of season three. I don't know that many Canadians, but what I can say is that of the Canadians I do know, 100% are really stellar people, and Michael doesn't disappoint. We talk about his creative songwriting process and how it's taken him all over the world, including a trek to Nepal and a 3,000 kilometre hike across Canada, as he shares some really intriguing insights about some of the magic that happens when you start to tune into those intuitive hits that so often we ignore. This might not work out, but what would happen if I never found out? Michael is someone who's taken the time to really reflect on what life is all about, doing things you can because you want to and connecting with others along the way. It was such a pleasure to spend time with him and I hope you enjoy this conversation just as much as I did. My guest this week is Michael Averill, a singer-songwriter who I met virtually when he joined the last round of the Story Skills Workshop. People come to the workshop to perfect the craft of telling stories about their life, their work, or the things that inspire them, so that they can connect in a more meaningful way with their audience. In Michael's case, his story was about something remarkable that happened to him at a time in his life when he allowed himself to let go of expectations and quite literally follow his gut instinct or trust his intuition. I'm fascinated by this sixth sense that we all have, but often ignore or repress. So I was really drawn to his story. It turned out that the reason Michael had joined the workshop was that he was preparing to launch a podcast of his own called Write Songs You Love. And he shared the very first episode with us in the workshop. At the end of that episode, in which he shared a story about how he very nearly didn't become a songwriter, he played a beautiful song that he'd written called Thank You. The day I heard it, I was busy compiling some of my favourite moments from the first three series of this podcast. In fact, I was a bit behind and up against a deadline to ship. And when I heard his song, I had what Matthew McConaughey would describe as a green light moment. My episode was going to be all about gratitude and its capacity to shift our perspective. And wouldn't it be such a lovely way to round it off if I could play this song at the end of it? So I reached out to Michael and he was gracious enough to gift it to me. You can hear that song if you go back to season three, episode 10, Reflection and Gratitude. But what I've since discovered is that Michael has also taken an eight year tour across Canada, aptly, (laughs) aptly called I'd Rather Walk, as he ended up walking over 4,000 kilometers, stopping off along the way to meet people, share stories, and as he said himself, be a motivational fire starter, 
helping hundreds of artists along their path with his community events, concerts, and songwriting workshops. There certainly is a touch of the Pied Piper about him, and I'm intrigued to dig in more and hear about this fascinating journey. So Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's such a treat. Thanks for having me. So yeah, this was the thing that intrigued me the most when I was uh, doing a little bit more research. Um, 4,000 kilometers across Canada is quite some feat. How did, how did it come about? It's a couple of feet. <laughs> <laughs> That's some, a very Canadian joke. <laughs> very much. Yeah. Uh, uh, someone along the way mentioned that the, a way to describe walking is two feet and a heartbeat. <laughs> I always love that phrase. But yeah, that, that came about as a brewing in the cauldron of many ingredients. And a lot of it came from influence of my dad. My dad just loved to walk everywhere all the time. Uh, I grew up in a place called Kelowna, British Columbia in Canada, Western Canada, and he was a teacher. And he, it was just something that he did every day. He would get up super, super early, go out, grab a coffee, you know, land at a Tim Hortons or a Starbucks and would bounce between coffee shops before he got to go to school to teach. And he would just update on current events, but he always walked and he would take these meandering paths and just kind of see what the world was doing. And then would be fresh to go to teach kids and usually would sometimes we'd go pick them up after school but if or if we ever went out for dinner we'd either choose a restaurant and sometimes just meet him there or he'd walk home like it was just his place that he did a lot of sorting of his thoughts and and just observations but also just greeted everybody so anytime i walked with him which was often he would always be the person to say good morning or hello and yeah. and if i if i didn't say it he'd usually give me a little whack <laughs> <laughs> you know so very early it was just interesting to see that growing up in a town where you anybody it doesn't matter who it is you just recognize them and you see them and acknowledge them and in a simple way it can go a really really long way as i've kind of found because i've lived in cities bigger cities where that just doesn't happen you know that's not the case mm -hmm. and i've also met people that have left cities like that because they don't get that you know they don't feel that sense of connection and it's almost like so there's a there's a combination of if you're walking on your own it's like meditation yeah and if you're if you're with someone or or you can use it as a way of connecting you know a way of actually sort of getting out of your own head and and connecting with other people which is that's a beautiful image i used to also work as a personal trainer for a good chunk of time my whole other career was in athletics and health and wellness and when i started working with other people i found that i always had better conversations with people out on walks as opposed to in an office right yeah certain things would just get triggered or certain people would say oh this store reminds me of this and then it actually would be something quite powerful in choosing goals or actually realizing that there's something holding them back that may have happened from trying to play soccer down down the city sidewalk you know uh, yeah. it was pretty funny but yeah walking conversations have always been stronger for me but you've hit on something that it's actually sometimes easier to have conversations when you're not sitting in a an environment where you're right across from one another making eye contact trying to follow what other people you know so you're if you're both walking alongside each other i find the, the same happens in car journeys. If I really want to talk to the kids about something, it's quite often easier just to get in the car and 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 have that talk there as opposed to. 
I've never thought about this before, but it makes me think of like theatrics, you know, when when you can look off into the distance and, and riff off on on something philosophical, it's easier than <laughs> staring directly across at somebody. So maybe there's something to that as well. Yeah. But you're right. That, that's a really interesting thing to point out. So so the um the the athletics has obviously played a key part in your life. You know, I, I remember when when I listened to that first episode of the of your podcast. You were saying you were a very strong sportsman. You know that was something you you were really good at right from the get go, mm-hmm. almost to the detriment of your academic life. You know that wasn't where you felt your strength lay. Well, you know, interestingly enough, uh, other academics were fine. Like I've always actually really liked physics and and other sciences and and art. I always loved art and other aspects too. But yeah, English for some reason was always the one that that yeah. was the major barrier and my marks that and when it came to applying for college became something that was like the red flag that wouldn't let me go yeah yeah and just uh, that's what I found so fascinating is how you've ended up making making your living out of using words and, and manipulating words and thinking about the meanings of words it's it's so powerful yeah I kind of held a lot of imposter syndrome about that for a quite a long time because I'm yeah. like I, how isn't that person like, how can I be here doing this? It doesn't make sense. So like I said in the podcast, the my high school career education prediction test told me I was supposed to be a dolphin trainer. <laughs> well, that was just, I mean, it just made me laugh out loud. It was this idea of, you know, I suddenly had this vision of you as a dolphin trainer and how much, how much would have been lost to the world if you hadn't actually got around to writing songs and doing what you do, which, you know, it would it would have been fine for the dolphins, but I think, I think the rest of the world would have missed out. Yeah, sure. never know. But you know what's funny is that from sharing that on the podcast, I actually got a call from someone or an email from somebody who said they they were told they were supposed to be a dolphin trainer too. <laughs> so well, we're thinking we might actually host an episode of all the people who are ever told that they're supposed to be a dolphin trainer to see where they're at now. <laughs> Thwarted, thwarted dolphin trainers and yeah what what happens and, and i'd love to know what the program was that you you know what the answers were that kind that, that makes it spit out dolphin trainer it's kind of uh slightly left of center so back to your 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 story about walking and you know what fascinated me i don't know if you if you can share a little bit of the story because it, it's it's a bit putting you on the spot to say tell the whole story but that was a, a really really fascinating story a really remarkable story in the in the workshop well okay yeah I'll, I'll share that story and i'll kind of share how that connects to how how this tour came about so about 10 it's actually really cool because about 10 years ago i left my career as a personal trainer to jump into music full time and uh it was one of the things that i felt the least secure in doing but it felt like it was the most right thing to do wow. and in that time, you know, having, you know, there's no better way to free up time than quit your job. <laughs> so when I all of a sudden had all this time, I just started resting a lot more and taking in more information and looking to other sources for learning about where my next direction was going to be. And I uh, was inspired to try an experiment by listening to an interview of a really cool guy named Derek Sivers, who created something called CD Baby for artists. It was yeah. one of the first platforms, really, that artists could share their music online without having to be on a label. And anyway, he's just a fascinating guy to listen to, and he's a great author, too. But uh, he was uh, he did an interview where he was talking about success, and or somebody asked him what, what he thought 
successful people do. And, and his thing really inspired me. He said, like, it really comes down to the action between the thought that we have, the curious thought about being pulled to something, whether, whatever it is, you know, it could be going out for tacos for lunch. It could be saying, Hey, nice shirt, um, simple things, or it could be bigger, but really the difference is how quickly you instigate some kind of action towards it. Because mm. if you do it, say if I want to go and climb the mountains in Nepal and I, you know, that seems like a huge ordeal, but if I say, Oh, I know Jimmy has been there. I, maybe I'll just make a note to call him. <laughs> that's an action, you know, like that's an action that starts the process and it, it leads along the way and you keep following that bread trail and most likely you might, you'll probably end up there. But if you don't, the longer you, leave this time there it's just like all these other doubts or other voices or reasons why you shouldn't or why it's a dumb idea or all these things pop in and you most likely will never do it but you'll still have that little drive that can actually become irritating or like a chip on your shoulder that you never did it so i was fascinated by that so i decided to try an experiment where for three days i don't know why i chose three days but i just chose three days that i was just like i'm not really going to intentionally plan anything, but I'm going to just go with the flow and just see what happens when I just literally follow, follow my feet and just do what that instinct tells me to do and see what happens. Like I was just about to start a blog and I thought this might be kind of cool to write about. Yeah. So day one, I get out and I'm wandering through it very quickly. I think all I had planned to do was go to the bank, which was maybe a half an hour walk away. And on my way there, I decided to turn left down the street because it just felt like that was the way to go. And it was going to make it a longer way to the bank. But I thought, this is what this is for. And right away, I found this beautiful park that I never knew existed, literally like right around the corner from where I was living. Nice. I thought, this is gorgeous. And the sun was coming up in a, in a really beautiful way. Like, I got to come here more often. So I kept going on, ended up at the beach where there was a guy playing guitar that I sat down and started jamming a little bit with. And we started sharing stories about books. And he referred me to a book that I immediately said, you know what, I'm going to go get it right now. <laughs> so I got up, walk, walked to the bookstore, found the book, bought the book, had a crack at it. And a, one line out of it just made me feel like that was the right decision. I was like, this is great. This is going to be so good. I go down and take the bus back home. And there's a lady that sees the guitar on my back and she says, she starts talking. And and just from what she shared in those moments, I it was like the perfect thing to relay what I had just read in the book to her that she just oh. seemed like needed to hear. And I said this to her and she's like, thank you. And she got on the bus and I'm like, I don't have to get on the bus anymore. I'm just going to keep walking. So, you know, there, there's these funny little chain events that happened like that. And it kept going and kept going. And it just made me feel like I was on holiday in another country that I had never seen this place before. And I had been there for years. So I loved feeling that energy in my home or in the hometown that I was in, because I didn't think you could, I think that just gets lost a lot of the time where we think we have to go away. Yeah. So it just kept going and going and I was loving it. And it came to the third day where I actually had a destination to be at a certain time, which was a, fr a bunch of music friends were having a barbecue, which is the most laid back thing you could ever imagine. There's no reason to have to be there on time. But I felt in general like I just like to be on time and I feel a bit of anxiety if I'm not. So on my way there, I realized it was an area of the city I'd never been to before. And I was late. I was just predicting like, ah, it's not, I'm not going to be there at the right time. So it was the first time where I felt this pressure. And after a few days of exercising that 
that thing of just listening to what you're pulled to and actually doing something about it, like anything, it gets stronger mm-hmm. and and it, it starts coming up to you quicker and it and it feels different. It literally actually kind of feels different in the body, or at least I started feeling it, feeling different. So I came up to a street where same thing like in the morning that one day, I felt like I should turn left instead of going straight, which would be the faster route. And then I had this pull of tension going going through my body. I'm like, oh, I don't know. That's just going to make me even more late, which will make it more uncomfortable to come in and knock on the door. So very quickly, I made this decision that I was not going to make that turn and just go the faster route. And as I started crossing the street, I just felt my body just cringing. And every step I took, it just got worse and worse and worse. And then I thought about the blog I was going to be writing and that I would have to say this. I would have to say I quit. I quit right at the end. And for what, you know? So two blocks away down from that street, I it just became painful. And and I had to stop. I thought, you know what? I can't I can't not do this. I've come too far to to just try to not, you know, see it through. So I made the call to turn back and went to that street and immediately just started feeling the relief of that tension. Didn't matter if I was going to be late. So the curiosity of what I was going towards just felt like that was the better thing and rationally did not make any sense. But in my body, I was just like, okay, things. Are, this is going to be cool. I don't know what it is, but here we go. <laughs> so coming down the street, we get to somewhat looks like a dead end, and there's but there's an option of an alleyway to go left or right. And I looked left, didn't get anything from it, didn't feel, you know, looks like there's nowhere to go. But the minute I turn right, I see this huge orange painted segment of the road and it was amazing to see like it was just such a a prominently painted section of the road in the middle of nowhere that but a unique thing is that there were these footprints that were going through it that on the other side of it were were very very strong as you know like when you have ink on a stamp and you stamp it a number of times it fades so the feet were like these stamps and they just kept going into the distance and kind of faded off into into nowhere and I thought, this is just so interesting. And there was this arrow that was pointing in that direction with this giant message spray painted on it. And and it was just an interesting time at life. Not how I just quit my job, but I had just come out of a really difficult relationship. My dad was sick with a, a terminal illness. And I had had my own health stuff coming out of, out of my last career, which was part of a, a reason why I ended up leaving. So it felt like every major pillar of my life had just been like upended yeah. and and this was the time to kind of just start from scratch and anyway that message with that arrow said your life begins here gosh and that's yeah that's and, and i remember when you were telling the story in the workshop you actually held up because you took a photograph and you held yeah. up the the photograph and it's like it was so powerful that moment you know where you were sort of reflecting as if you were right there in front of that that image in the road and and how you know and and what i loved as well was the way you said you'd never really ever discovered why or who had written it you know before or since i mean it's it was just drawn to it but there's something that, that's even more amazing cuz you know you've now just shared that your your dad so you you've lost your dad Mm-hmm. That was um, about ten years ago, almost yeah, exactly. Next that month, is yeah. such a that is such a sad, sad time, and it sort of it does shake your world. And yet, this connection to walking and the way you just follow your instinct or that spontaneity um, almost felt like it 
it connects you back to you as a child with your dad. There's something mm. really sort of fundamental about that, what you're doing and how at the beginning of this conversation you, you said, you know, that's, that's your association with your dad. So it's such a beautiful thing. Well, yeah, that so much has come from walking and anything to do with that from him and and actually something even my mom and I used to do. I remember, well, I have visions of this just weird patchy. You know, when you're a kid, like super young age, you have little spots of certain moments. Like my mom used to always walk to her exercise aerobics classes when she would go and she would always bring me along. I remember being in the stroller and going with her. Uh, and just checking it out but oftentimes she would say that I would just prefer to get out and walk along so it'd be yeah. a little bit of a longer stroll but but yeah that was always a preference so it's it's just something that seems to be in our family like I know my grandma was always big on on walking on my dad's side and would would take them out like at nights to go look at the moon you know on these walks on the prairies kind of thing so it's been around in our family I think for quite a long time and and it just keeps keeps giving the most amazing experiences and i think that that experience right there that one with the, your life be begins here really kind of stamped it down for me to be like i think this is the way i'm going to live the rest of my life like i really made a conscious decision to pay attention to that as yeah. much as i could and do as much as i could in accordance with that and the things that started happening as a result of that have yeah are have led to things i just never thought i would ever do <laughs> in my time or or the people that just the kind of person that just started showing up and engaging with me or the opportunities that started showing up just didn't make sense. And in, in the way that my mind had kind of gripped on how we're supposed to progress through life and do our things in our job and the kinds of relationships we're supposed to feel we have, then yeah, it's just been all kinds of bonus <laughs> from that time on. So in effect, you know, the rest of your life did begin there you know that really was a sort of pivotal moment and it it, it sort of sounds almost like an awakening yeah a real it. sort of sense of i'm in charge of this now and i get to live my life the way i want to and at that point the weirdest things start to happen but they're all they're all very positive things in your life that's and i think that was what was so compelling about your story was how many of us would have thought oh, I'm going to be late for the barbecue. No, I don't. I've got to just carry on going. All the shoulds and the expectations and the how how we are supposed to live our lives take over. And I was saying to you before we started recording, you know, I'm just reading a book by Steve Bidolf, who's a, a a psychologist from Australia. He's just written a book called Fully Human, which is all about that what he calls a super sense that we all have some people describe it as a sixth sense but i think that that has a connotation of being only for special people but he's he's sort of maintaining no this has been conditioned out of us not to listen to our bodies not to not to use those senses you know we have so many nerve endings in our gut they're there for a reason and yet so often we think ourselves out of a situation as opposed to feeling ourselves out of a situation or into a situation which mm. I, I, it's it's an area I'm really fascinated in because I think the more you become in tune with those little signals of yeah, this feels a little bit scary, but like a good scary, there's often a a good thing happens at the end of it. You know, there's 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 a bonus, and and if you'd never tried it, you would never have discovered. You know, even though at the moment you were about to go and do this thing, like quit your job or do something quite wacky. 
there's a little bit of you going, no, you feel that resistance. No, 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 this doesn't make any sense. That usually comes from your head. And what you're actually doing is really getting in tune with those sort of emotional tugs from your heart, from your guts, from that sort of intuition. That's mm. what I found so fascinating. Yeah, so, there is but it's kind of a magic mojo to that that is yeah. unique. And I find this with songwriters too, just working on songs. It's like sitting in sitting into a song is kind of like sitting into your life in a way of of the same thing. You know, it's like you can go ahead and write a song that by structure is a certain way that we know works or is just the way that songs are written. But sometimes you have those thoughts, you're like, but I don't think this one works this way. This one doesn't want to do that. <laughs> do I try to cram it in or do I just let it be what it's going to be? And it's fascinating. So with your song, Thank You, how, how did that come about? Mm, for for uh, a few times it's happened before that song got got written where I'd either met people at shows or they'd approached me afterwards and asked one particular woman, her name's uh, Marie, lives in France. She came up to me after a show and she's like, I've I've always wanted to have somebody write a song about my life. And I think you're that person. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and it was such a random thing out of left field that no one had ever said to me before. And, and I was just so curious about it. I said, okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and we had this really cool dialogue and it was a really powerful experience of what happened from creating this song for this person that I started offering that intentionally more after the fact of of just saying, hey, like this is something that I do. And one, actually it was the first year I'd started my walking tour. I had just got back from about four months of walking around the East Coast of Canada. And I had this thought, it was coming up to Christmas time and I said, sent out to my newsletter, anyone who would be up for creating a song to give somebody as a gift, like I'm down for that, you know, and happy to collaborate or happy to figure out what, what can happen. So I just, again, one of these instincts that just felt like it was a cool thing to do at the time and needed to happen. So I sent it out and uh, a cousin actually on my mom's side sent me an email and she said, Hey, I've, I'm a painter. Like I, and I was wondering if maybe like, I'd love to take you up on this, but wondering if we could do some kind of a trade, if, uh, would you be down mm -hmm. if I create a painting for you in exchange for the song? Wow. I was, I was sure that sounds great. And my now wife, who we weren't at the time, we were just about to move into our first place together and we didn't have any art, you know, and mutually things. And I thought, oh, this would just be a cool Christmas present. And this is going to get me uh boyfriend mm -hmm. points. <laughs> Well, oh, absolutely. As, as somebody who has had a lot of paintings gifted to me over the years, I would say it absolutely hits the nail on the head. It's so personal. And when somebody's gone and chosen something with you in mind, oh, it's just beautiful. That's yeah. Oh, my goodness. So so you ended up writing the song and then the artwork will, will always be associated with it. That's the other thing that's so lovely. Well, it's kind of funny because I had I felt I had a very simple request because I knew exactly what it was going to be. And I just said, well, my wife just loves anything to do with trees. And I thought, can you can you do something cool with trees? And she's like, yeah, no problem. It's like, great. Awesome. I trust whatever. You know, I love your style. Perfect. So I was like, what kind of song? What's the song for? And then she tells me the story that's all about how all her life, like she had grown up just having a lot of challenges and she became a mother quite early and a single mother quite early and just really had a difficult time with that. And her brother was this person that just at every situation that 
seems like went wrong just seemed to be the person that was there and the person that always showed up to support to just encourage to be there like if the to help take her kids on trips just to to be more or less like a father figure but it wasn't just in that it was just their overall family unit he was just this guy that was solid no matter what and and i thought that was just so neat and she said that in all these years i've actually never said the words thank you to him wow. for for any of it like it's something that that the emotion of it is just too too vulnerable too strong too difficult to actually say it's like i just feel like i can't even get the words out and so she wrote me all these stories and and a couple of different pages of emails and then she's like this is what i want the song to be this i want to say this to him through this cool. <laughs> and i was like wow i only asked for trees <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah i think is- i got the raw end of the deal here <laughs> But she did a great job, but it, it actually just, it sunk in for me on another level of thinking about when my, when my dad was sick and he was somebody who actually used songwriting in a unique way to communicate a lot of his feelings, but didn't often do that verbally. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until the last year of his life that he actually ever used the word love to anyone, even my mom. Oh, my so, God. but you know, you knew, you knew like the things that he did, it just had this other language of expressing that, but words were really difficult for him. And, and for a long time for me too, it took me a lot to, to get through sharing that. So I instantly dropped in and related to what she was saying and, and thought about my dad. Cause when he was sick and I would go back and visit, I'd, I took about three times to figure out what it was that I needed to say to feel like things were at peace. And it was just those two words. It was just saying thank you thank you yeah and i think that's why the song is so powerful because there's so so much of that emotion in there you know as you were saying it wasn't written to a sort of script if you like it was there's so much feeling behind it that that just as soon as i heard it it resonated on such a deep level it's such a universal kind of sentiment that you've captured in the song thanks yeah and it's not a normal format of a song either it's just as its own thing and and it's just been such a special gift to have ever since then and sharing it to see what happens when it's shared and what unlocks for people in their conversation and how how they change and their energy is is endlessly amazing yeah i can imagine there's people who because you know gratitude is something that can always take you to a place of when you start to think about why you're grateful for something it's a bit like love it's about you know if someone says yeah but why do you love me or what what is it you're grateful for that that as soon as you start to express it it it, again it goes straight to the heart it's not it's not something you think about it's something you feel and it's getting in touch with those emotions which are often quite raw yeah it's just beautiful well and you know what's kind of neat and a fun question to ask and it's not just for gratitude but I'll, I'll ask you this because we often have if we're we have these themes like say gratitude that we often have like our paramount stories that we we hold it's like this is my go-to one because I know this one is like the big one and this was life-defining but I'm I'm curious for you like what if you're thinking of something that you really have a lot of gratitude for what's what's the second story that you would share what would be like the second like not the number one story you would share about gratitude but what would be your number two yeah the second story so i would go straight the first one would just be the fact that my kids are all three of them very different people and they 
express themselves as themselves. And they've taught me so much about how to do that. And I think that's, I just value that so much. And I'm so grateful to them for their strength of character. But I think the second thing I'm grateful for is, is that they see me for who I am. You know, mm. they don't, they don't try and mold me or change me or they'll often take the piss or be quite funny about it, but, but they really do seem to value that and appreciate that. So that always, whenever I think about that makes me feel very, very grateful. Amazing. Do you ever, do you think about that one as much or do you share that one as much? I think it's something I internalize. I internalize, but it's, it's whenever I feel that sense of that from them. I, I yeah, that's the, that's the thing that I'll scribble down in a journal. You know, if I'm sort of trying to every now and again, I get really, really, okay. Yeah. What am I grateful for? What am I grateful for? Um, that's when it comes out. It'll be those little moments where they, <laughs> they just, they'll say something like, Oh, that's just such a cat thing to say, but it's not in a judgmental way. It's in a, yeah, we got the quirky mum or, you know, it's it's just in a very appreciative and understanding and seeing you for who you are. When people do that, it's it's so valuable. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I love I love hearing those kind of the number two and number three stories because oftentimes they're ones that never get the light of day. Yeah, exactly. And and also it's, it's such a lovely thing to reflect on. It's so, you know, that, that's a, that's a nice question to ask is what are you grateful for? And then what else is <laughs> a really good way of putting it, but yeah, <laughs> fabulous. So when you do your workshops, because this is the other thing that fascinates me. I mean, you just said when you're the way you, you, you just position that, that, you know, somebody comes to you, it must be quite hard when somebody comes to you and says, write me a song about this. And presumably in your workshops, you dig into how you can elicit that from other people, you know, get them to write their own songs. How, how do your workshops work? I'd be intrigued to be part of that. Yeah. You know what? It's, it's the same thing. Like in the morning, I, I kind of moved through life and it was just been a, a treat to, to meet you and the gang from the story skills workshop, because it's like, I feel like that's the path that I've been walking towards for forever. And it's just everything is stories to me. And so when you have that, then everything else just falls into place. It's almost like, and everyone's different. And the more I've worked with artists and I've, I can say I've probably worked with over a thousand or more artists on songs. Like it's, uh, it's neat to see how people do their process because some just literally sink in and just do the thing and, mumble and riff and do whatever and all of a sudden they figure out kind of what they're doing through that process mm. but i never my rate of finishing songs is doing it that way is almost none like i i've maybe finished some four or five songs in my life that way whereas when i found out if i dialed into the story then once that was set bam like everything else just kind of happens really really quickly and the more I've been experimenting with other artists that way of just helping them have situations where they have to do that and they have to think about it. Because this is the unique thing about songwriters, particularly singer-songwriters, is there's a lot of expectations in either some people who are great and other ones who are novice just, just have these abilities and ones that don't. Like they come out of nowhere. <laughs> and there isn't really anybody talking about that, mm. about... What do you do? How, how do you get stronger at that? Or is this just something that you just will never have that available to you? So funny enough, like 
the the workshops that I do are always real small groups. They're no more than four or five people. And they're just this place. I kind of liken them to a campfire <laughs> where we're a situation of like everyone sits equally around a fire and you all feel that you all feel like equal heat and there's sharing and that you see each other, you know? And so like, that's kind of the model of what I've always done with that as a space to share, but also to talk a lot about communication and just, you know, when you're sharing, you just, this is how you can do this or just to just tell us, like, just have the exercise because most of the time solar song, songwriters are are on their own they're just creating in their own space and they go play open mics or shows or whatever it's going to be but there's not often unless you really kind of preempt it yourself situations to really dig into the stories mm-hmm. a lot of times people are like this is a song i wrote i just wrote it hope it's not a disaster <laughs> you know like, I like it <laughs> there's the, and that's a lot of the times the the extent of a lot of stories of songs but Anyway, I, I, I really started finding myself admiring and just really being pulled to just great teachers, like say in college or anyone who teaches that you just just make it interesting and 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 just really set you into this place that makes you lean in the edge of your seat. And and songwriters are performers, too. When you go to a concert and you're just absorbed in all this stuff and, and there's something else going on, I, I just became so fascinated with that and studied it and then started integrating it into my own and then saw the effects of what would happen if I started telling these things differently, that people would listen to the songs with more uh, enthusiasm and be connected and bought in already. And and if you do sing-alongs and stuff like that, where you get people like, then they know, they know when they're coming in and why it's important. Like that song, Thank You, I sometimes tell people ahead of time to like think about someone who has been that support in their life. And when that chorus part, that thank you comes up, that they sing it back, that they think about that person or they they give them a call and tell them in the moment, you know, like there's things there that change that amplify the power of what's going on with the story. And just, yeah, I kind of just wanted to, it's a bit of mission just to help songwriters be more comfortable sharing their story, not, not just for the sake of it, but in their songs too. So it's a lot of questions. It's a lot of just, okay, here, here's the thing to share. It's like, I always get people to share uh, in the group, what they connect with, mm-hmm. and and if they if there's something they're curious about, to approach it through questioning, and just to say like, well, you had me here, you had me here, and it's like at this part, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Can you explain that? So it gives them another reason to have to kind of get into something, and and oftentimes in those moments where they're explaining it very candidly, and they're not trying to be poetic or metaphorical, it's it's amazing, and it's it's yeah. it's always the thing that you're like, wow, that's the thing that needs to be in the song. <laughs> And that's a surprise a lot of the time for songwriters because, again, we're thinking that we have to be super artistic and fancy with our words that way. And it oftentimes, the more straightforward and clear it is, the more impactful it's going to be. And and that's kind of the goal is, is to have that shared experience of like, hey, yeah, you feel this too. Yeah. Here's, here's something that will jazz you up or this will get you through this time or this will just make you feel like you're not the only one, you know? So, so what you're saying is when you get to the real story behind the song, that helps you finish a song or it's more just that collaborative, you finish more songs when you actually sit around with other people and in a sort of workshop environment. Oh, for me personally, it's the story. It's so, yeah, as soon as I have that, and that's kind of the fun thing about writing songs for people is they have the story. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's actually kind of easy, I think, because it's just a matter of, again, asking the questions and figuring out what is the story here and what is 
why do they want to share it and who are they sharing it with? Yeah. And then it it's it's very directed. And once that's there, then I find the music is comes really quick. Absolutely, absolutely. And and you know, I can imagine that there'd be wouldn't be a dry eye in the house if you played that song at someone's funeral or even though it wasn't written specifically for that person, what you captured in thank you is if you were, and maybe, maybe, yeah, that wouldn't be quite the moment to, but you're actually reflecting on how much they meant to you at a period of loss, you know, it would just be, um, because that's often when we do finally turn around and go now, you know, we don't miss it until it's gone kind of thing or express it until it's gone often. Well, that's another reason why I thank you so strong, because one of the other aspects of the walking tour, why I started it was just to, to learn about Canada, to really see how things work and are going on all along the all along the country. But also in the spirit of my dad and like his his way of going about, like greeting people and walking and uh, just in when he passed away. And I know you had I remember listening to your season three under when you had somebody talking about grieving and like what a challenging thing that is and all right but it but does it have to be you know like it's a funny thing and i've had some abilities and opportunities to travel to other places in the country where it's a very different approach to how loss and death is talked about mm. and so in a in a side goal that i had with the tour is part of that album that i had there's a few songs that talk about that and and just maybe just bringing it up to the forefront to just make it okay to hear about and that we don't have i don't know i was this is a personal thing but when we say i'm sorry for your loss it's like the apologizing never made sense to me and like what there's nothing to apologize for yeah it, but it, there's a recognition of the difficulty and and yeah so i'm sorry to see you in such a lot of pain as i think what we're trying to express i mean we all get so tongue-tied in those moments but i totally agree that you know there are different cultures where, especially if somebody has lived a good long life and had a really successful life by their own definition, mm. that it really is a time for a celebration as well as a, a mourning the loss. And that if we can keep those two emotions almost in parallel, it, it, it can help us out of the black hole that can sometimes be part of grief. Well, and a lot of that comes to communication too, because through talking about it, a lot of people who had regrets or anger or anything to do around with the loss of a family member or friend is that they didn't say something. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it was thank you. You know, oftentimes it was like a very, I don't want to say it's simple. It seems simple, but it's not because I, I know, you know, it's, it's, it's so another reason why I love sharing that song is, is it always encouraged that because you know you don't know how much time many of us have and yeah. when you when you realize that you missed something or you and you wanted it you held back from doing something then that's hard to deal with that's hard to kind of reconcile absolutely and that was one of my main motivators for i think the pandemic has brought all of those sort of things into the fore so not seeing family not you know i'm very close to my parents and um fit geographically but also you know I'm, we're a close family and I really wanted to capture just a little bit of their essence and and feed back to them how much I respect them and thank them for you know everything they've they've given us as kids and 
So it was really a powerful motivator, like do this now. Don't think, oh yeah, I will, I'll get, you know, I'll get them on a podcast. Wouldn't that be fun? And then just not do it and not do it mm -hmm. to as a gift. That's lovely. Wow. But that's only because I can't write songs. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> Have you tried? <laughs> well, I certainly can't sing them. <laughs> you don't know that either. <laughs> <laughs> now that's where my kids were going no no this is too far now <laughs> but anyway no and i knew i knew you know but i am fascinated by that combination of the the emotion that's in music so there's certain notes that bring about a certain emotion if that lands at the same time as an emotion that's described in a lyric i think that's what people connect to I, it's funny, I'm, I'm actually not somebody, like my husband really notices every single lyric and, and will notice the words that are used. Whereas for me, it's very much about the overall feeling of a song. Um, sure. An example would be, I'm, I'm a big fan of Bear's Den because I think there's so much of their, their lyrics are sort of poems in themselves. But when you combine that with the music, it, it just, the overall effect is just, yeah mind-blowing really but mm. I'll, I'll introduce them maybe maybe we'll put a bit of bear's den on the on the playlist that would be that would be a good idea sure. so, so coming back to your walking though would you say the so the the i'd rather walk tour started from after that moment where this your the rest of your life starts here yeah because well funny thing is like uh, when i released my first album a week before I was lying. I, I was sleeping on on a on the couch and in, in the place I was living, and I woke up with the tune in my head. And sometimes that happens. It doesn't happen a lot that it's like right from the get go, but it was basically this full song in my head, and I was writing it down, writing it down, and it was this really random. But it it had this the line of it, and this is the name of the tour. Is it was all these lines to do with like I'd rather walk three thousand miles just to hear the East Coast wind in my ears, and. And I remember writing that and be like, okay, whatever. You know, I'm just going to keep going with this. I had this rhythm with it. And it made me think of my dad, I think, because I was thinking of him a lot. And this is like my first big album release. And um, this is about six months or so after he passed away. And I was thinking about acknowledging him a little bit, his music. And I had been listening to a lot of his music. And so I think in a way, like just his essence was in really there for me. And, and it started coming up. And it kind of was about him, but like... The way i am because of him and mm, mm. the things and that you're seeing yourself that yeah 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 because like he just i don't know there's this whole idea about like it's okay it's okay to just go do some big walk and I, I i chose this big absorbent and distance because um just because you can it doesn't have to always be attached to a big cause or it doesn't have to be raising money for anything it can just be just because you want to you know and like and and there's the, the maybe there's some other reason there that that's like it doesn't have to be attached to anything else like again it comes to that pulling feeling but yeah it 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 was in that moment where i thought 3000 miles and i started like googling it and looking i'm like it's actually the distance across canada wow. and and that's where it kind of clicked the dots for me and like i think i'm going to walk canada <laughs> and let's do this yeah 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 is that what i'm going to do and then i started feeling really excited and I'm like, I think I'm going to do that. And then I got really nervous. I'm like, oh, my God, I like, 
how's that going to work? <laughs> uh, but the next week, it was funny. So like a week later when I was in my show, I, I announced it that I was going to do this thing and I hadn't actually really thought about it anymore, but I just made it real. I said, yeah. And so next year, this is what's going to happen. And people were like, what? <laughs> so, but it kept going. And then I think when you know when you've made a really interesting choice or important choice and it's the right one, then all these other little things start happening. And, mm. and I ended up, you know, discovering a bunch of my dad's recordings through saying hello to somebody that I felt they should have said hello to in this random little pub that I went to on tour that had connection to all of these songs and interviews and stories about his life and time in the 70s when my family lived up in the Yukon. And it actually just kind of it gave it in a way that particularly this interview it gave me all of this value, amazing, valuable information that I never knew about him that I always wondered and kind of wished I'd asked him about. And then it showed up after the fact, like two years after he died through that same way of being of just kind of trusting the guts and saying hello to people you think you should say hello to. And yeah. and so that it kept solidifying it for me. And I, I could tell you about a thousand stories of things like that that have happened since that still somehow, even to this day, that connect to him in some weird way, that someone's like, oh, I, I was in your dad's class and like, this is something and he had this way of doing things and like, he changed my son's life. And, you know, it's like, it's amazing that, that all these things, like we think information kind of disappears or like this knowledge disappears, but you know, it's, it is around in funny places if you just go looking for it. Yeah. And to me, it sounds, you know, we think that people disappear, but but souls do stay with us, you know, that's how you keep someone's spirit alive. And um, yeah, there's part of me that wants to think that those little intuitive hits are almost being, they're a form of dialogue, you know, there's, there's something from beyond that, but mm. it's just a way of, of really staying connected with someone, even if you can't physically be in the same room as them. It's just amazing. There's a tune I did actually on that album. That is just that, that is, kind of paying attention to those times where you could be in conversation with someone, you know, you know what kind of smart ass joke they would have made in that moment. Yeah. Or, you know, you said earlier, it's like, oh, that's a cat thing to say, you know, it's like you hear it um, or you go certain places and you can, you just visually see something that you remember with that person or something that you did. And, and I think, yeah, those senses, some people could say is, is haunting, you know, and other ones could say it's, I think it's, it's a reminder that they're still there, you know, and they keep living with you through your senses. And, and that's really kind of cool. So it feels like they're, Absolutely. they're never gone, you know, I'm kind of looking out for you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So did you have to organize it? Did you, did you sort of just do it very spontaneously in itself? Or did you say, right, I've got a mapped out route and I know, you know, roughly where I'm going to get to, or did you just let that drift and flow kind of? Yeah, that was a bit of jostling at first to figure out what was going to be the right thing. Because at first when I, the song, like the song kind of dictated the distance and I'm like, oh, do I have to go across in a straight line? Like <laughs> what yeah. about the Northern parts of Canada? I'm like, how am I going to get up there? Does that add to the miles? Like, does that make me a liar? <laughs> like, <laughs> There's all these things that go through my, went through my head, but when I, I started, I just knew I wanted to start on the east coast of Canada. And I had some friends out there that were uh, staying out there that were like, hey, you can stay and get set up initially and just be the initial, you know, start off and safety net in a way. Like this mm. place called Prince Edward Island, which is a very, very small province and a great place, I thought, to start. Because if anything went wrong, there's not anybody too far away. 
I have uh, a beautiful friend who lives on Prince Edward Island. She's a joy. Oh, yeah? oh my Amazing. goodness, hearing those words just made me think, goodness me, it's tiny. I, it's one of my great, great ambitions to get out to see Jeanette. And, oh. you know, obviously it's snowed in in the winter and COVID hasn't made travel any easier, but um yeah, it just sounds like an amazing place. She sends beautiful photographs of the nature and the wilderness. It's a magical, yeah, it was a really neat place to start and completely different than what I'd seen ever before, but also just culturally. And yeah, there's a there's definitely a magic there too. And I'm really glad I started there. Um, but yeah, like I. I played on the train with a friend of mine uh, who was from the, the Nova Scotia, that region on our way out there. There's a program that the train in Canada has for musicians to perform their way across the country. And so that's actually, I use, I've used that train a lot to get to these different places. And I decided that I was going to go out and just dedicate four months initially. Originally, I was just going to go until it was finished. But just before I left, I ended up connecting really strongly with someone who ended up becoming my wife. So yeah so my wife shara it was literally a month before we started uh we started dating and i went on this like indefinite walking trip of the country that i'm like i don't know where i'm gonna go but <laughs> but then that happened and I'm like well okay well maybe i'll do four months and i'll come back and we'll see if this this is awesome and then it was and we're still together so it's you know it just ended up changing how it went but in those four months i had a show booked or a couple of things with this other woman i was playing with but for the rest of it, it was really left to be like that organic open process of like, where do I go? Yeah. And, and you know, it just, it was, it's same things. It's like just trusting in that. It takes a little bit to get in the rhythm of just feeling like things are going to work out. And, but you do have to like do your part in answering those, those, because if you just sit there and don't talk to anybody, it's like, that's not a great situation, but but yeah, just I always found from reaching out or just sharing some songs that these pathways would open and I would always have a place to stay and there would always be like the kindest people everywhere. And and particularly in that side of the country, just demonstrations of kindness that I still just blow my mind. And I think I'm like, would I do that? You know, would I, would I, would I be like comfortable? Yeah. But maybe when you've been the recipient of it, you suddenly would perhaps you know who knows but and you've done my job beautifully for me here michael by bringing this to kindness and whether yeah is there one story that stands out for you an act of simple kindness that you just thought wow this has changed my life or yeah are you are you familiar with tim hortons the do you know what that is no it's a it's like a coffee donut shop muffin shop kind of thing oh, that's okay. huge canadian thing no yeah Right. And it's expanded into the States and, and but yeah, it mainly was this Canadian spot that literally you can go anywhere in Canada and there's always a Tim Hortons right. and it's a major spot for people for coffee. But I, I loved it. My, and that was one of my dad's favorite places too. And so, but going on tour, it didn't really matter anywhere I've been in Canada. There's always been this Tim Hortons and they always had Wi-Fi and and I, it would always be like my office, <laughs> my mobile office when I was walking on the road. And so it, it holds a special place in my heart for many reasons. But anyway, the, the first time I went out to Newfoundland uh, in eastern Canada was just such a, a unique demonstration of multiple forms of kindness. But the one that sticks out the most is uh, the capital city of Newfoundland is St. John's. And as I was on my way into into the town for the first time, 
just observing everything just really enjoying you know like i actually have really come to enjoy walking along highways which is an unusual oh, thing you know yeah. it's not generally the most people can see them they're not necessarily the most visually stunning or that and they're loud and they can be whatever you know it's an intense but i think with anything it's like anything in rhythm it, when you can start sensing the rhythm of something you start, it makes sense and and you can start even just like the rhythm of a highway is is musical and and when you can kind of like sink into that it's just neat to hear like the rushing of a car or truck with the little subtle undertones of like the release of those sounds is is very actually meditative and hypnotic and but with that just the presence of yeah you you do got to watch you got to watch for like animals and you got to watch for all sorts of things but there's all sorts of unusual stuff on the road that can catch your attention that just are funny like i remember finding a full arrow uh once like on the side of the road or like a ch a pathway of continuous monopoly money <laughs> that like what? grew in currency every like 400 meters <laughs> there, there's just so many funny things from the road that i i love and have as stories now but anyway one thing that in newfoundland when i was getting closer to the to the city i never i had a point that i'd never wanted to accept any kind of ride like as a as a like i, I didn't want to hitchhike and actually like yeah so so it was interesting and i had my own perceptions on what that really kind of was like and what that meant and in our area you always you drive and you see people with signs or just with their thumbs out and like oftentimes not many people are stopping for that you know so so anyway, I, it's, it wasn't anywhere on my radar, but I had all these things. I think I just looked like a, a ridiculous spectacle walking down the side of the highway because I had this huge backpack, a guitar. I had a camera draped over me. I had bought a violin in Halifax in Nova Scotia because I wanted to learn while I was out there. So I had that draped over me too. So I looked like this big bubble of a child that's <laughs> wintertime, you know, like wandering around the, the road. So a lot of people actually stopped just because like, so one car pulls up as i'm about 10 miles out and they run roll their window they're like hey buddy you you okay <laughs> i'm like yeah i'm doing fine just out for a walk and they're like do you need a ride or anything i'm like nope i'm good I'm like okay you know and then they they take <laughs> off and so so i thought that's kind of neat and that's really kind that they they would pull over and and say something and ask and offer so i carry keep carrying along another car comes and pulls over and the same kinds of questions are like, Hey, everything. Okay. And like, yep, yep. Things are good. And I, I wasn't really explaining anything. I'm just like, no, I'm fine. I'm, I'm just out for a walk. And, uh, it's like, okay, see you later. And then the third, third person comes stops and mentioned Tim Hortons. Cause we were right in the area. I could see like just off the side of the road is a Tim Hortons. And, and this guy unrolls his window and I just felt like, Oh, people are really curious about this. Maybe I'll tell them a little bit more about what I'm doing. And, and so in the moments of just sharing, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this adventure through Canada. Uh, I, I'm, this is my first time here. I just really actually like getting, this is how I like to process a city. Like there's a vibe of a city and this is an interesting way to absorb it. And, and just started sharing other things about it as well. And he's like, he's like, man, that's really cool. Is, do you, do you have anything you got to do? Like he, he literally gets out and he, he turns off his car and he hands me his keys and he's like feel if you know like i'm happy to wait in the tim hortons for a couple hours if you want to go get groceries or if you just want to go get like some clothes or something or if you just want to bomb around like here you go wow 
wow oh my god <laughs> yeah and i and i thought in that moment i was like how is this possible like this i'm a complete stranger like complete nobody in this situation but to have that comfort to do something like that to and just to be like yeah i'll, I'll just hang out here i'll just take time out of whatever i was doing for a couple of hours to hand over my mode of transport that is very essential in this place to this person so i yeah i don't even know i can measure that kind of kindness <laughs> no no and it's so rare i don't think i mean because normally it would be like what what am i doing did you take him up on it no no i i was just kind of dumbfounded a bit actually yeah. it still affects me to the day but it wasn't the first time it wasn't the only time that somebody offered me their vehicle to use on point blank meeting in, and again, I think it's because of the power of the story of why you're walking across the state, uh, across Canada, and and um, you know that intrigues people, and they already feel a sense of connection, and therefore that trust is built. And once you have that, yeah, sure you can use my car. <laughs> That's a brilliant story. <laughs> so, obviously, for you, you know, it must be hugely challenging to have lost your dad at such a young age. And that's the sort of challenge that you were saying Alicia was, was talking through when, when I spoke to her. But what came up for you when I asked you to share a story about a challenge? Hmm. Well, um, a, a big one, actually. I'd, I'd mentioned Nepal. I, I just out after my, well, this is all in the thick of it, is so before my dad passed away and just right, right when I quit my job, somebody approached me and this is really the first opportunity that came to me and they said that this is somebody i'd met through the health club that they were planning this expedition in nepal where they were bringing artists together to go into these really remote regions that hadn't previously really uh, been open to public but they had a connection with someone who had had these relationships with this really special sacred valley region and they tourism was, was about to move into these spots and they they wanted to have this thing where they took a group of people in there to experience that and make something like reflect on it in music and photo and painting and writing and film and and uh, before that happened and it was just such a, a unusual opportunity and just an interesting experience i'd never thought i'd ever go to nepal but it, it was one of those things i was like yeah i think i'm in and Anyway, it was a it was a funny thing because I left my job and just literally my first kind of music gigs that I'd really jumped into were, were busking and like playing on in certain regions in Vancouver where you can do that, which is a whole other series of stories of learning for sure. But anyway, that that time of saying yes to that and trying to think about how am I going to raise that amount of money because it was self-funded and a, and a big trip. It was a month long trek that was... Mm -hmm quite a quite a price and like just the flights over there and everything the time all of the stuff that just seems so far for me and i'm like how how's this gonna happen so that was a, a big challenge to to come to terms with and then but what it ended up bringing out of me was was just all of these moments and i think maybe this is the time i can release my first album and and it, it took me a while to figure it out because everything else that i was trying i wasn't earning enough fast enough so I, I ended up doing this show or then again, this is where the story comes in is I built an album that was really a series of questions and like a puzzle that people could solve that by engaging with it, got to 
learn more about themselves and like really what fires them up. And this kind of came more from my personal training coaching days, but using music as a way to kind of engage piece by piece by piece through a song. And so I made the songs title or the album title was what's life all about. And, and I would just would ask people that candidly asked about a hundred people that question and always got a different answer. Wow. And it was so neat. And and it just, uh, in hearing all these different answers, it started then to make sense of, I guess for me, like what, what it is about. And, and it really just comes down to what you can categorize to experiences. And, and, but I made, I made that be like the answer to this riddle. So every song I made a video for, and I put it out online once a month. And there was a hidden a hidden letter somewhere in the video that so it was kind of a game of word scramble that like people could answer this question over a year. But it was also to like the the follow your feet exercise. I on, there's a song that I have called follow your feet that was on that album that I would also have this suggestion of something to try in the month. So it's like, just do this just like for a day or for even five minutes, go out and let your instincts kind of guide you and just see what happens. Like, wow. don't don't choose where you got to go. So and then to talk about it, to actually have some discussion and use social media in a positive way to actually have some conversations that felt like they were uplifting as opposed to draining, which they can be sometimes. So lots of stuff around that, but I thought, oh, this is this thing and I'm going to build this and make this whatever. And I, I recorded it myself just with what I figured out how to do and very simply done in a way that was just me and acoustic guitar because that was mostly the way I was performing. And yeah, I rented a movie theater and had a whole bunch of different people come that had story connections to the themes of the songs and would invite them to share their stories. And then I'd play a song and use the fundraising, like an Indiegogo thing to use it as like a way to sell tickets, but also to do other stuff like these custom songs or whatnot to raise funds for ultimately this other trip. So, yeah. so that this- motivation that came from this, I really, really want to do this galvanized all of this activity yeah and it, ever since. it was a big yeah that was a huge huge challenge because i think just even monetarily i'm just thinking oh my gosh i don't know how i'm going to do this and like everyone you have the stereotype of like musicians don't really earn anything yeah, it's like, yeah so so it's been a lot of grips of that kind of that kind of belief and coming through it but you know it worked and it, and it actually was the one of the best gifts and i think of when you talk about a challenge and I really felt it when we were literally in day seven or so of this trek in Nepal up to like almost 15,000 feet, seeing these like couple thousand year old villages that are literally built out of rock into the mountain. And it, it that's when it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, my music got me here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that just gave me shivers. It gives me shivers again now thinking about it because it's just like, it's possible. Like these things can, can actually oh, happen. So true. So I love that story because basically, essentially it's taking the, the sort of myth that, yeah, you can't make money from your, your gifts and talents and you can't make money from doing what you love doing and just turning it on its head and saying, if you understand the motivation and having that, that, that sort of goal, but it's that belief, I am going to make this work. That yeah. Once that, your subconscious gets on board boom stuff happens but it comes back to stories too like it comes back to like this is the story i want to tell with this and this is a story this is what i want to invite as a platform for people to talk and share their stories and then and it worked and i thought 
oh, this is how this is how sort of being you know like yeah writing songs in isolation and putting them out there and saying here I made this. You're inviting people to get involved and and what's better than an invitation to to anybody? You know, it's like yeah, yeah, and and occasionally you'll be no, it's not for me, but that's Mm -hmm. that's okay too. You know. Yeah. So more and more over the years, my process has been way more inviting of others to come into it. And like songs like Thank You and uh, there's one called Stronger Together that I think you'd be a fan of uh, from what I was listening to in your in your other podcast there. uh, That is just these songs that have been for other people have been the ones that have resonated the most. And and it's been this concept of like, you know, really writing something that's like everything for for someone as opposed to just something for everybody. That is such a gift. Oh my God, mic drop. But that the whole story is such a gift, Michael, because, you know, say it again. It's not, it's. And I can't, I can't take credit for this. This is something that uh, I've heard and I'm not sure where it originally comes from, but yeah, it's, it's the concept of writing everything for someone. Yes. As opposed to something for everyone, like trying, yeah. trying to make sure everyone's going to be okay because that's generally just so general that it doesn't connect to anybody and and the more specific it can be for one person you do find and that's what the kind of story skills and and like the stuff that you do as well like there's so much gleamed from these these little moments that are very specific you know and, and they, they actually hold a lot of detail and that's that quite is what connects to more, more and more people you know but if it's written for that one person in the first place or if it's if it's an invitation to one person you know if you put something out there with one specific person in mind that is often what what actually resonates with with is has that universal feel yeah such a powerful story that's amazing and it's I mean, also those things that we don't you know the things that usually we don't think are other ones want other people want to hear or maybe we're scared to share it's always the exact thing that needs to be shared and you know oh, it's yeah. like you can, after a while you just know that that's the thing that is going to connect because it's hard to share because no one wants to say it so if you have the ability to say that and that's what i try to do with songwriters is really empower them to that place to share it because of the impact that that has is tenfold multi multi many numbers fold of, of how that can be helpful I have a lovely friend who's a writing coach and she shared some wisdom with us on a, on a writing retreat saying, um, yeah, people always want to hear just, just exactly what you don't want to tell them. So go to that place. We may as well get cut to the chase. Let's get straight there. Cause that's, what's going to really resonate with people. You know, it's the, it's the stuff that's behind all the armor that we put up and those defenses, you know, nothing to see here. <laughs> Got it under control. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm perfectly okay. Thank you. <laughs> And slowly by slowly by the time the weekend was over, everybody was dropping like flies. Yeah, yeah, I've actually got a story about that too, and you know, sharing a lot more. And and I think yeah, that's where we connect. Absolutely, it's like oh, you too. Oh, okay, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not the only person who feels like that. Or and those those uh, that you know, it goes back to Brene Brown and the and the deep seated shame is something that we we hide, we bury it, and the more it's out in the open, people just go. Well, I don't know why you're ashamed of that because, yeah, it happens, you know. And it happens fast. The minute someone just even an inkling goes to that place, the impact that and permission that it opens up to everyone else. Yes. yes. Like again, yeah. it could be stuff that had been sitting there for years that all of a sudden just pops out of nowhere, and it's <laughs> incredibly, incredibly powerful to witness. That then opens up often a, a process of creativity. That then opens up a release, almost like of okay, 
I can take the guard down when I'm actually writing as well. You know, that then brings out this whole new level of exploration, which is, which is just what happens in the story skills workshop. You know, it's the same thing. Oh. Everybody comes in very guarded and what are they going to make me do? And, and they will, you know, slowly but surely begin to build that trust and then go, oh, it's, maybe it's okay if I tell this story. And then boom, you know, it, it sort of, like you say, it's like a domino effect. People yeah. go, I've got a story like that. Yeah, I could share that one. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Well, and that's such an important part of it. And what you guys do such a great job of is it's it's the space feels trustful very quickly. Yeah, and I think that's because right from the get-go, everyone's sharing, you know, even the why, why you hear story is yeah. a story rather than a, a two-liner that you can hide behind, you know. Um, Anne Roach is great at going, there's some hiding going on over here. Let's all go and visit. That's hilarious. <laughs> She's she was actually I had taken the story skills a couple of times and the first time around she she was great she was I think one of the major people for me that just helped me break through some stuff and yeah yeah and, uh, yeah very you thankful hold, for hold your feet to the fire for sure for sure so yeah, I know yeah. I mean music is such an important integral part of your life Michael so I'm really fascinated to know how you have even started to narrow it down to one one song. And, and a story behind that. Was this difficult for you? It depends. Uh, you know, it's funny because I was trying to think of like songs that were big influences on me or even just my dad's music has, has been a huge influence on me in subtle ways. Uh, but maybe one I'll just share with you is just one that I think you'd appreciate. And I think is interesting about the topic of your podcast too, this the collective wisdom is... Um, well, yeah, I'll share, I'll share this with one of the, I was debating about another one, but uh, there's this, there's a song I wrote, actually, it came out of the beginning of the walking tour, like right away that first four months is a, I got to meet a lot of people and like I said, talking about kindness and eight years, I guess, 10 years of touring. I, I've only actually paid for a place to stay once. Wow. And that was by choice. That was by choice because it just kind of made sense. Like there, there was actually an option. So the interesting thing about touring this way is there's always just been these neat places to stay and, and homes to visit and really generous people that often are just really, e are, are super eager to share their stories. Yeah. And I've just been a big sponge a lot of the time. And I got, I've got to hear a lot of stories and and I think it's like anything you do in quantity, you start to see similarities and you start to connect those dots. And And the, the stories I kept hearing and kept hearing did really, this is where my tour kind of morphed about halfway through to be less less about my dad and less about family and less about, I guess, the, this health and wellness thing. And it just kind of came more, more about community and more about connection and more about, that's kind of, that's the thing that really makes us keep going. And, and that there's a lot of loneliness and that's just getting, that's just the way things have gone have just spiked in a, in a scary way. So it kind of just shifted gears for me to kind of think more about what, what, what could we do? What, what can I do to just work against that in a way, or I guess create more spaces where people can feel more connected and, and yeah, I ended up writing a tune called all we ever need. And, and I think sometimes we've, like the chorus goes, all we ever, all we ever want is a little affection, but all we ever need is a little connection. Yeah. 
And that that one has a few stories of people that just kind of illustrates a few of those stories of like what happened. Like like I said, the person I met somebody who is a very successful lawyer living in a big city that literally moved to a tiny town because she liked it that people waved at her on the sidewalk in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Or at least that's obviously there'd be more, but that's what she kept telling me why she moved. Yeah. Like, so wow. you're saying that the song, so the song is called All, all, all You Ever Want? All we, all we Ever Need. All, all We Ever Need. Yeah, yeah. That one has just been a neat thing as a reminder for me to kind of keep thinking about what I'm doing now. And like, I think that's probably something I'll, I keep, it's good to play, but also just good to, to revisit and listen to, to remind myself of like, why, why I keep, why I did that in the first place and what the major thing was and that that's not going away. That's not something that, yeah, I have to keep doing my part to to just encourage that. And that's why I love doing the workshops with songwriters because it's that part of a, I think, a responsibility of being a songwriter and being someone who kind of gathers people and shares ideas that that that's your, your job. You know, that's your job to just be a part of like helping to gather people to help them feel connected. And that goes such a long way to to everybody feeling like they can keep going. Yeah. And that brings it full circle to almost, you know, what is life all about? What's it for? It's yeah, that's beautiful. So I can't wait because I, I don't know that song. So yeah. And, and, and because it's one of your songs, I'm hoping I can use it to play out the, course, the yeah, yeah, for sure. Phenomenal, phenomenal. So yeah, the final, the final thing to leave us with just this collective wisdom, what is the, the one piece of wisdom that you've learned from all of these experiences that you've had, which are so amazing? What's the one thing that you you depend on most or you feel would be, yeah, that life lesson? <laughs> there's there's a, f I'll, I'll give you a short funny one and then I'll give you like a real one. <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> say, I have to have two. Then <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the ones uh, I, I was like instantly had to share is like, no matter how embarrassed you may feel about it or how uncomfortable it may be, you are always the good person when you let someone know that they have something in their teeth. Oh yeah. 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 That's a good one. Actually. <laughs> that's one. That is a, a fun joke for my wife. Cause I actually wrote a tune for her about that. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> um, but the other one I would say is, is just comes, comes from a, a song that my dad did. And actually when I actually put these stories down into a book, I I'd love to kind of, I love to title it after his song and it's called take the time. And it really is, is really just like, that's been the, a fuel because we have the choice, you know, you always have the choice to what, what you do with it. And yeah. so that's that question is like, what do you do with it? And um, if there are these things that you really want to do, like those pulls or those curiosity, whatnots, it's like, just go along as they come and do as many of those as you can. And I think, you'll feel great about things, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it is interesting coming from someone who's a bit younger because you, know, you hit a certain age and you realize that everybody has always been saying to you, time is your greatest asset. Don't waste it. You get no refunds, you know, no matter how much you ask. And and you're trying to tell that to your kids and they, they just go, yeah, 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 whatever. Um, but it's so true. Take the time and make the most of it. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Awesome. 
Fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. This is lovely. Uh, it's been such a joy. I was so looking forward to this conversation. I knew it would be so full of inspiration and yeah, that combination of adventure and music. And, and just, as I say, the heart of your story is about following your instinct, trusting your, there's a big word there, trusting your intuition. Um, mm -hmm. And then the, the lovely thing about connecting and, and almost building a community through that sort of process of, of meeting people where they're at, you know, you went and found them, which was incredible. <laughs> yeah, you're doing great work. So thank you so much for joining me. And yeah, thanks again for allowing me to use your songs. You know, they've really lifted the whole podcast. So I will um, be always indebted to you. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, thanks thank for you. joining me, Michael. And um, yeah, good luck with, uh, so what's coming next for you? The, have you got another album coming out? Just starting to work on one that's just reflecting on the completion of this tour and really kind of just looking at starting over and a new path and, and just helping other songwriters doing stuff with the, the right songs you love workshops and podcasts is just really exciting to to help like i said like help others with those lessons that i've learned and, and help them fill whatever they want to be you know and in the way that they want to show up really just helping songwriting become a lifelong language for more people that feels is a vehicle to be themselves. So that's really what that's all about. And that feels really good. Perfect. Perfect. Well, there'll be links to all of your social media website, et cetera, et cetera, in the show notes, but where's the, where's the best place for people to find you? Yeah, I would say for songwriters, if you're hearing this, the, the right songs you love.com is a great place for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, for my music, my music page is shifting a little bit. I have it going over to michaelaverillproductions.com. That, that site's shifting a bit to music, but also music that I'm producing for other people, because that's something I've really done a lot more of in, in the pandemic. And, and that's just been so fun to do. So working with more artists. So that'll be kind of a, a place where people can hear about the tours and the music of mine, but also these other people that I'm getting to to spend time with and create cool stuff. So yeah, those places are great. And Instagram, same things are, are really fun places to hang out and share. And I give challenges there. So if you want challenges or just some fun things to listen to, then there's, there's good stuff there for whether you're a songwriter or any kind of writer. I will definitely be checking it out to see whether this latent songwriter inside me can come out at some point. Brilliant. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. And yeah, best of luck with it all, Michael. Thank you. Bye now. And Sarah goes to work every day at nine. Fixing the world and trying to make it right. She's tired of searching for a man online and Cuddles with her roommate every Saturday night And Judith cuts through lies like a razor blade A senior partner, yes she has it made Lives in the city, but she can't stay Moves to a town where the people wave And 
And all we ever want is a little affection Somebody to hold at the end of a day All we ever need is a little connection Somebody to tell us everything's okay Richard loves his wife and her soft embrace Rubs her feet and plans getaways But she works too much to reciprocate He calls it quits cause she'll never change And all we ever want is a little affection Somebody to hold at the end of a day All we ever need is a little connection Somebody to tell us everything's okay Well the heart only wants a few things A simple tune and touch of love is all Somebody to hold at the end of a day All we ever need is a little connection Somebody to tell us everything's okay And all we ever want is a little affection All we ever need is a little connection